Podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year-round flip-flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training, this is The Saver and the Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts, The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. Hello, everybody. This is episode 22, I believe, of The Saver and the Spender. And I have guest today on with me, financial advisor extraordinaire, Shanna Tingem with Heritage Financial Strategies out of Gilbert, Arizona. And uh, I wanted to have her on because I get a lot of questions about investments, insurance, uh, life insurance, uh, long-term care insurance, long-term planning, mm-hmm. overall retirement planning. And as a financial coach, Uh, You know, I can help people get organized with their expenses and make the most of their income today, which sometimes means saving for long term. Actually, most of the time, that's what it means. (laughs) Uh, But I don't do investments and I don't do insurance. And so it has been a really crucial part of my business to surround myself with people that I trust, that I know are going to take really good care of the clients that we've worked so hard to build a good, solid, you know, day to day budget and uh, make sure that they're going to be continued to take be taken care of for years and years to come. Uh, and Shanna, you are one of those people for oh, me. So thank, thank you, you for taking, first of all, such wonderful care of all the clients that we share together. Thank you. Um, for being somebody that, you know, is there when I have questions and I say, a client's asking me this and I don't know <laughs> the answer um, and that sort of thing. Anything that you'd like to add about uh, either, I didn't prompt you on this, but give me a really quick Summary of what would you say as a as a financial advisor, your philosophy is with your clients and the relationship you like to build? Yeah, absolutely. So I put planning first in my practice, and um, the plan or the the financial plan, which is a sort of an extension of what Kelsa does, right? She does your day to day money plan, and and then I take over and do the long term financial plan, and that drives the investment decisions. Um, doing it the other way, I feel is sort of like the tail wagging the dog. So um, I put planning first in my practice, and I like to plan for the fun stuff. Um, Building a house, buying a uh, a, 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 a vacation property, um, retirement, putting the kids through college, like stuff like that. Um, Goal based planning is really important to me. That's wonderful. Good, good, good. And I'm assuming that you focus more on sort of long term client relationships, not just sort of like hop in, hop out. Absolutely, sort of yeah. yeah. And and those are the kind of folks that I tend to weed out of my practice uh, pretty quickly. Um, I, the the shorter term ones are the ones that are I'm going to frustrate them, and they're going to frustrate me. So. Uh, we, I, I really want folks to, to get in, stick around for the long term, and that will pay dividends in the end for sure. Wonderful. Uh, I Today's topic is about your uh, something that I get all the time, and it's the this idea of passive versus active investing. And it's okay if right now you don't know what I mean when I say that. Yeah. It, I would actually not be surprised if you are really like, I don't, this sounds complicated or this doesn't sound like anything I'm going to understand. Please stick with us. Uh, we're going to explain what it means and then really dive into it. Um, but I, I do want to say this for those of you who are listening either on Facebook Live or just tuning in uh, to the podcast later. Uh, if you've got questions about things you've heard, um, your own situation, myths, or things that maybe your father-in-law has been telling you about investments or anything along those lines, please drop us an email because we can answer those questions on a podcast, on a future podcast. So today's going to be very specifically geared towards passive versus active investing, uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't 
expand on other topics at a later date. And, actually, and if anything, we'd love to do that. Yeah. Um, this is a topic that uh, has been brought up to me often, especially in the last year or two, yeah. I would say. And Shannon and I started talking about it. We started going back and forth. We started finding research articles. We, you know, we really tried to analyze it from our own standpoint and go into it with a, sort of an unbiased perspective, I would say. Yep. Um, and through all these conversations, we started to realize that we probably should talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a really interesting topic that a lot of folks are talking about right now. Yeah, and I think they're afraid to talk about yeah. it with, with an expert, um, and they're not sure what questions to ask. And one of the things I think about is that if it took us three months to converse about this, to, to really uh, finalize an opinion, mm-hmm, if you will, mm-hmm. then why not share our findings yeah. and why not really just go through all of the processes and all the research that we've uncovered and share that with yeah. everybody. So uh, let's just dive in. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, what the hell do we mean by <laughs> passive, <laughs> passive and active yeah. investing? Yeah, and really that, quickly, we probably want to clarify, we're talking mostly about like mutual funds. Correct. Right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, a really great question because most folks... Um, even if you hire an advisor, um, ha- take a fairly hands-off approach to investing as a whole. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it, unless that's your job and you have a significant amount of time to devote to it, or a, a hobby, right? I have clients who that's think, a hobby for. Yeah. Do you think advisors admit that um, willingly that like they don't have their hand in the investing side? Um, not usually. <laughs> not usually. Yeah. Um, and, and I will also say this with what's happened, um, in, with the department of labor, um, in our industry over the last couple of years, you may have heard of the department of labor ruling and the switch to fiduciary that's brought this conversation much more to the forefront than it ever has yeah, been. I think, I think so. Cause it was happening before it, it just was. wasn't happening as often. Right. I would say. Exactly. And so the, um, the bottom line is that the difference really between the two is, is, um, with a passive investment, it is designed to kind of set it and forget it. Sort of like okay. a crock pot. Okay. Um, Give it, an example. Is yeah. that one of those, like, I think a lot of 401ks have, like, a target date fund. Right. So if you were to have a 401k at your work, you might choose a fund that's, you know, based on, let's say you want to retire in 2040. Mm-hmm. You would put it in and it would say, you know, growth and in income 2040. Yep. Or something like yep. that. Or retirement 24, target date 2040 yep. is sometimes what it says. So the yep. idea there is you don't really do anything. You're not picking anything within that fund. It's going to be more aggressive the further away you are, and it slowly starts to get more and more conservative the closer to your target date you get. Yep. And that could be a, a passive investment. Um, another layer of, of, of a passive investment could be something that's strictly based on an index. So like an S&P 500 fund or a... Um, you know, uh, 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 another index t- uh, based off of that. You may hear it referred to as index investing. Index investing, right. t- total stock market fund. Um, let's see, what else do we hear? So index. Um, you may hear a NASDAQ, like no 100, load. no load. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no load. So yep. that's passive is what we're talking about. No load. Um, uh Low fee, low Low cost, Yes, right? And the reason why they're low cost, there's not a fund manager that's manipulating, that's buying or selling within that fund. So what they do is they buy the index and let it sit. 
mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and so you may have heard, and that's actually even an inaccurate statement. You can't buy an index, mm-hmm. but what they do is duplicate. The they index. buy everything inside right. of a duplex. And so right. the only yeah, buying yeah. or selling that occurs in that fund is when something changes in that index. Mm-hmm. And so that happens very, very little. Um, so the costs are very low to the investor. Got it. So it can duplicate a narrow index or a very broad index. Sure. Which is what um, Vanguard funds tend to try to do a lot. Sure. Yeah, I think one of the things we were saying is sort of Vanguard is the pioneer of that, right? Right. So they're a huge fan of it. Yep. What? So that one of the pros of it is that you've got low expenses inside of it. Correct. Okay. Let's really quickly before we move on touch on fees inside of a mutual fund. And we won't get super complicated yep. into this, but we've got... Obviously, you have to pay the person who manages the fund. So if there's not any management happening or very low management happening, that fee is less. Right. Okay? Exactly. Um, So that's really what we're talking about. This is not something I will say that as an investor you see necessarily. Mm -hmm. You can see it. You can look up each fund and see what the fee is, but you're paying this out of the money that you're putting into the investment. So it's not like you pay every year for, you're not writing a check for the total fee for your investments or anything. And it's just sort of coming out of your investments. Exactly. And it's not even really showing up on your statement. It's showing up at the fund level. So you may not even know it exists unless you know where to look for it. Yes. Which I think is one of the biggest issues when it comes to investing period is just the level of transparency. Um, And anytime that it's not obvious or you can't see it and we're talking about somebody getting paid, it all of a sudden starts to feel really yucky and really shady. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It makes people really question what it is. And, you know, if you don't know every year, like, what is it that I've paid in order to have this fund or to pay a person to manage it for me, manage it for me, you know, we maybe paint a picture in our head that it's of it either, being way more than it really is. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, or sometimes, like the, you know, the more money you have, like it does get bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. and we're just not even aware that that's what it's costing us. Absolutely. Okay, so that's the fee. So that's passive investing. Mm-hmm. For those of you following on the Facebook Live right now, let us know what questions you have about that. If there's Absolutely. anything that we need to dive deeper in, like please clarify what you mean by this word. We are happy to do that. Okay. Absolutely. There's going to be people listening who investments are like a brand new thing. It's very intimidating, very scary. You know, we feel like. You know, we don't know anything about it, so ask away. And then there's going to be people that are like, that was the most simplest explanation ever. (laughs) And that's okay. Yeah, and that's wonderful too. So now let's, other side of the coin is active investing. Okay. So with active investing, um, you have a fund manager or fund managers that are actively managing that investment Mm -hmm. towards an objective. So they will have a, a prospectus. And in that prospectus, there's going to be something like a mission statement. And that mission statement is going to help those fund managers decide exactly what investments to buy, sell, hold, and how to deal with all of that. Okay. Yes. Those fund managers make money, a lot of money typically. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because they've got that level of knowledge. Sure. And so they're being paid to manage the fund to those certain objectives. Yeah. What is a range of the fee that Mm -hmm. is um, typical for an active? Mutual fund. Sure. I've seen anywhere from a quarter of a percent to, on the high end, uh, a percent and a half of the the annual uh, money that's in that mutual fund going to um, going to the expense ratio, which are those fees that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And it's typically the higher fees are the more international funds because those investment managers literally fly to those foreign countries to check out the investments they're investing in. Sure. So that costs more money. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Um, So active 
is there's actually somebody there making all these choices. Now let's expand on the the differences of uh, active can be very specific, very broad. Let's talk about that. So and so can passive. Yep. But. One of the things that I think I'm trying to sort of dive into is if you look at like a 401k or maybe even IRAs or a brokerage account or your portfolio with your financial advisor, you're likely to see a whole bunch of mutual funds. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Um, what? Why are there so many? Yeah. So it's hard with one mutual fund unless you're talking about the ones Kelsa mentioned earlier, which are like the target date funds mm-hmm. or the target risk funds. It's hard to get broad diversification by just buying one mutual fund. And by doing that, you increase your expenses because typically what those mutual funds are are mutual funds of mutual funds. Yes. So you have a mutual fund uh, fee in in uh, in another mutual fund that has a fee. Yes. <laughs> so you've got to be careful of that, yeah. right? Um, and that's the that's the risk I think with um, folks that don't really know what to do, but try to do it themselves. They say, okay, well, we're going to go with this one mm-hmm. because that looks easy enough, or their company says, let me put you in this one because that looks safe enough. That's based on your retirement age. But when in reality, they can go in and pick all the mutual funds inside that fund for a cheaper expense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so we've got passive. What would you say is a typical fee? So we talked about quarter of a percent to one and a half percent Mm -hmm. for active funds. Mm -hmm. What what would you say it is for the uh, passive? I would say a highest I've seen is about a quarter of a percent. Okay. So anywhere from zero Zero. to about a quarter of a percent for the passively managed fund. Absolutely. So you Mm -hmm. say no load. Yeah, totally, essentially. Uh, So here's... What happens is there is a lot of different philosophies out there, which is what spurred this conversation. And uh, I have two clients, they're brothers, and this has been a conversation that they have debated over for probably five years, I would say now. And I mean aggressively debated over. So, um, and you got roped into it. That's how we got to talking I, yes, about it. So they, they roped me into it and said, we want you to be the tiebreaker. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, we want to know you know, which one is better. And so essentially the philosophies are passive is better because it costs you less. And if you just sit it, let it sit there and do its thing and you do like a total stock market fund or something, no financial advisor can outbeat the market or, you know, out invest the market. Mm-hmm. So you let it sit there. More of your money is yours because there's lower fees and you just let it sit and ride. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is better for a person then this other guy, who the brother, the other brother, who has a portfolio with a financial advisor. Um, I, in this case, I will say the caveat is that it's a financial advisor who does an effective job managing the fee structure inside the mutual funds. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's sort of like a caveat. Sure. Um, pays a very low management fee mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And he says his way is better. And my my reaction was to Shanna as I said, this has to be based on numbers, right? Like this can't be an opinion. There has to be a right and a wrong answer when it comes to this. That's yeah. what my, my oh, original totally. email. Do you mm-hmm. remember? I was yeah. like, how can there be such polar opposite opinions and they both be right? Yeah. Okay. And really the answer that we're going to talk about is that there is one, I think, key factor that it comes down to. Yeah. And it comes down to a certain key factor of a person's personality. Yeah. Okay. So they are both right that. is the bottom line. Yes. <laughs> And it kind of pisses me off. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm a numbers person. I like clean formulas. I like to know things balanced and they're reconciled. And I like, you know, right or wrong. And there is 
They're both correct. And that's yeah. why we want to talk about this. I think it's really important to identify which one is right for me. Yeah. Okay. And for you listening. Yep. So, um, well, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Okay. So, I can do that. Okay. So, the, so the key factor that I think that Kelsa just mentioned, um, and teased a little bit is behavior. Yes. Um, that is the bottom line. If you are truly one of those people that can put your money into the market and watch it go down the very next day, like a 2001 or 2008 mm-hmm. and not panic and press the button to sell it all mm-hmm. and wait until it comes back to the other end and still not panic and sell at the wrong time. And I will say not only that, but to continue investing yeah. during that time. Oh my actually, gosh. Right. Like there's almost like two separate behaviors you need to have, which is like, not only am I not going to pull out, yeah. I'm actually going to Keep dive putting in money deeper. in. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Which is the exact opposite of what you want to do in that moment. It's the, it's the very opposite. It's the opposite of what you want to do. It's the opposite of what the news is telling what, what you to they, do. What they want to do, yeah. meaning like their, their initial reaction, right. their knee jerk reaction. Right. So right. it's well, fear. They, they, yeah. it's the fear like, oh my God, could it get worse? Mm-hmm. What if it gets worse? Yeah. Um, and so if you are truly that person that can ride the storm to the other end and keep investing all the way, you're probably better off yeah. doing the you know passive investing and putting it into an index and letting it ride. Yes. And this is where I, I want to commend you, Shannon. I want everybody to like be aware of what happens right now. <laughs> And this is where it's tough to find a really good financial advisor who's honest about the fact that there are some people out there who don't need you. Yeah, right? totally. But the fact that you are admitting that, I think, is a testament to your integrity, your honesty, your professionalism. Um, if you are the type of person like this one brother who can, and this is where th- my answer to these brothers was, you're actually both right. So yeah. can we stop talking about this? No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. No. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's, he absolutely what had the discipline, Mm -hmm. the level headedness, Mm -hmm. the perspective to do this on his own. And so that was the right answer for him. Yeah. Right. And so what happens otherwise is a person during this time, you know, immediately wants to pull everything out. Like, oh my God, the market's taking. The news is saying that the market's going to crash entirely and we're never going to have a stock market ever again. <laughs> we're right? going to go back to the gold standard and um, all of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Buy oh, gold. Yeah. Buy gold because that's the only way that we're going to weather the storm. Yes. So they're all saying those things. And what's going to happen is you're going to pull out and you're essentially going to going to lock in all those losses Mm -hmm. that you just incurred. You just cost yourself a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not probably going to be investing in a time when you should be investing. So you should be buying at that time and you're not going to. You're going to be fearful. You're going to sit with all this money in cash, Yep. all of that. Um, And if you have a financial advisor that you have to call because they're the ones that does, you know, the person that does that for you, they're going to be the one that says, no, 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 no. Relax. Please don't do this. I'm, we're going to beg you not to we're do gonna it. We're going to beg you not to do this. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Right. Let me educate you. Yep. Let's look at past patterns that mm-hmm. this happens all, you know, mm-hmm. every 10 years Absolutely. or whatever. Um, let's, let's talk through it. Let's think about it overnight before we do anything. Mm. You know, they're gonna, you're gonna, your job is to essentially talk them off the ledge. Absolutely. And for those people, uh, that's where the fee 
saves you more than it costs oh, you. Far more, mm-hmm. far more. Um, and, and that's the difference between calling a 1-800 number or broker and saying sell it all and calling somebody who's your fiduciary or has your best interest at heart and saying sell it all. Mm-hmm. The 1-800 number broker is going to press the button because that's what you told them to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to beg you not to do that <laughs> um, and cr- cry and stomp and do everything I can. And if you still insist, I'll press the button, but I won't like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then you're going to push back first. And I'm going to really push back mm-hmm. first and try to educate you and keep you from making the mistake. Because what I've heard over and over and over again the last couple of years from folks that are nearing retirement is that I went through 2008, lost a lot of money, and never recovered. And then I dig more, and I find out why. Yeah. It's because they sold it all at the wrong time. Well, in, yeah, I mean, this is so true that in 2008, if if you had let it ride, I mean, you would have actually recovered and then some. Yes, without any doubt. And literally a year to a year and a half later is mm-hmm. all it took. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the part that's so hard because once you're all out – it is nearly impossible to get back in without literally having a panic attack. Yes. Unless you've got somebody behind you pushing you to do that. Yeah. So the first point we want to make before we move on is that active and passive are both correct. Mm -hmm. Yes, active has more fees, but if it is a a good fee to pay, I will say, an effective fee to pay, if you are the type who might make a knee-jerk reaction and it prevents you from doing that, the fee will pay for itself. Yeah, is what we're you know what we are just is. If you're the type that will just let it ride, you're going to be consistent. You're going to do the same actions over and over again. You're probably going to make the most of let's say dollar cost averaging. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be investing no matter what. Mm-hmm. So dollar cost averaging sounds like a you know complicated technical term. I mean, I don't know why we even have to call it these things, but it's really just this idea that you put money in every single month or I shouldn't say monthly. I'm sorry, but it's on a consistent, uh, behavior. It's not something like I don't do it for a year. And then all of a sudden I dump in $25,000. Like I'm going to do a thousand dollars a month or even $200 a month or whatever. It's, it's little, a little bit trickling in at a time. If you're the person that's going to do that and then not touch it when it takes a dive, then passive aggressive uh, passive investing is probably a better fit for you. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I was thinking about, and I didn't even tell you this, but um, the an initial investor, mm-hmm. you don't know what you are. No, you, you don't, don't know. But I mean, likely it's like what every ten years we're going to expect a downturn or right. something. I mean, whatever the I don't know if that's still the same. Seven now, to fifteen, but, typically. Okay. But yeah. So I think one recommendation that I I have for people is start with a financial advisor Mm -hmm. because you experience a downturn, right? Go through the experience of what it's like to see your investment portfolio cut in half or something like that. See, did you call your advisor at that time and need to be talked off the ledge? And if so, that's probably your strategy for a very long time. It really is. Um, But allow yourself to, you know, not only that, but your investment your advisor at that time can be educating you about Mm -hmm. things and really just your ally, Mm -hmm. you know, and your partner in that. And that's a really good resource to have and to pay for that is well worth it. Yep. Okay. So start there. I wouldn't, I would say start with an advisor Mm -hmm. and go the other route. Once you've proven to yourself that you can don't do it the opposite way. Yeah. Because if you do it the opposite way, you might make a big mistake Mm-hmm. Or you might not. But if you do make a mistake, it might stop you from doing that systematic investing for mm-hmm. years. Yes. Because now you feel Now like, you're afraid. Yeah, you don't trust you're yourself. Afraid. You're, you know, 
Yeah. Conspiracy theorists. Oh, I know. <laughs> like the whole world's going to come crashing down. Yes. And, and you know, you start following the internet forums and they tell you to do the, the index funds. And that sounds like a good deal until there's a downturn. Yeah. And and then you, you fear it. And yes. you don't get back in until much, much later, which costs you hundreds of thousands of dollars in the end. Absolutely. Another tip, I guess, if you're sort of like in the middle. So maybe you've been investing for a while. You've either read books that say this is you should absolutely do index funds. That's the only way to go. There are so many books out there um, that say this. I mean, Tony Robbins, yeah. for example, which great strategies for a lot of things, great yeah. leadership role. You know, I will also challenge the idea that if, if you ever say there's one strategy that works for everybody, it anybody doesn't. who says that is that we need to question that. Yeah. Okay. Because um, that's not usually how it works. But if you read a book that says this, and you've been investing with a financial advisor for a little while, and you're really not sure how you would do, now's a great time to start. Open up a brokerage account, yep. put some of this passive money in it, and you know what? The market's really good right now. Mm-hmm. So let's see if during a downturn, if you uh, touch it or not, right? Yeah. But don't stop your other investing. Yeah. So I'm not saying stop that, but start, yeah. right? Start dabbling and see how you do, and almost do like a hybrid approach for a little while yep. to see is that something that you're handling really well, yep. or... And I think what I would love for a person to really gain from that experience is either the awareness that their financial advisor adds value to their life. That will only improve a relationship, strengthen the relationship, and help when you hear this advice from family or whatever to not listen to it. That you've proven to yourself that this is a good thing for you, even if other people don't need it. Totally. And I I think that that could just be something that reinforces a, uh, a relationship that a person needs to have. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And I think it's, it's not a one size fits all approach, even mm-hmm. for a husband and a wife, you know, sometimes uh, couples hire me when the husband is the one that manages the investments and he thinks he's doing a great job and he may be doing mm-hmm. a great job, sure, sure. but she's afraid what's going to happen if number one, something happens to him mm-hmm. or number two, we go through a downturn and he has to make the decision as to whether or not to buy or sell. So I'm kind of the devil or the angel on their <laughs> shoulder. He may still even continue to manage them, but by entering into an agreement with me, I'll, I will try to talk him out of making that decision yeah. when the time or comes. Or I would say be the, you know, the unbiased sort of third party, yep. the objective one, yep. you know, um, good. Okay. Yeah. So now this isn't just an opinion, yes, right? Like we have, we have actually found proof yes. that this is accurate and we can <laughs> attach numbers to it, which we're numbers people. We, we are. like, we like data, yes. like spreadsheets. And, and you're probably not thing. going to believe if you're listening who the research is from. Yeah. So if you guys remember early on in the conversation, we were talking about that really the, um, uh, pioneer of passive investing is Vanguard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you, you know, how do we describe Vanguard? It's a, they are a, 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 an investment management company that built their business on passive investing, yes. uh, investing. And if you have followed the founder, Jack Bogle, or know of any of his theories, they are, um, rabid indexers and yes. feel like that's the only way that it works. Yeah. They have a massive forum. Oh, the Bogleheads, yes. Bogleheads, <laughs> you know. And, and so this is where, like, if you're the type that thinks passive investing is for you, like, that's a resource for right. you. Absolutely. Go take a look mm-hmm. at it, you know. Um, it's it's uh, impressive. I even find it a little intimidating. Yeah, I'm not no going to lie. Like, those people are hardcore. Seriously. They're very extreme, yeah. very confident in yes. their delivery of their opinion. Yes. Um, so <laughs> I agree. So you must be thick-skinned if you're going to go on on Vogel. But, yeah. but also get some val- you know, valuable feedback, possibly. So yeah. 
So take a look at that. Um, so the article that we found, though, that talks about uh, does a lot of research on the cost of active investing and whether or not it's worth it. They actually yeah. attach numbers to it. Is an article that they published in 2016, mm-hmm. September of 2016, I believe, yeah. mm-hmm. um, done by Vanguard. Uh, we will post it, a link to it in the show notes uh, so you guys can find that. But it is the added value of financial advisors. So Hello. odd that the title, <laughs> you know, the added value of financial advisors is coming from a company that doesn't necessarily believe in financial yeah, advisors. exactly. So, and I shouldn't say that they don't at all. Well, like, I would say a, they didn't used to as much as they do now. That's I think very that true. they the research has proved, and they looked at data from their own portfolio, clients that manage their own index funds through the downturns in 2001 and 2008, and what happened to the value of their portfolio if they managed it versus if a professional managed it. And it is striking how often people made the wrong decision on when to buy and when to sell based on emotion and not um, sound uh, portfolio theory. Yes. So tell us about the article. So what what does it all look at? So I mean, you said it looked at their own portfolio. Mm-hmm. So they, they have clients who have both right. advisors and non-advisors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they looked at them to see, you know, yeah, the a couple of growth. different factors. Mm-hmm. So they looked at um, the wealth management piece of it, the portfolio management piece. Um, they looked at the construction of the portfolio, how different were the advisor's portfolios versus the portfolios that clients bought on their own. And then they looked at the behavioral side of it. Mm-hmm. When the market does what the market does, what happened to the folks that were being managed through an advisor versus managing it on their own? Um, and they attached a per- an, an annual percentage number to the value of having a financial advisor. Right, which is pretty incredible. They right? did, yes. Because they took into account all of that. And really what they're saying is the net impact is this percentage. Yeah. Right. So they didn't just say you know, the rate of return was X. They took into account rate of return with costs, yep. with the growth over time, the loss over time, all of that, and came up with a percentage. Yep. Okay. And so what was what were the findings? Um, I mean, I already know the answer. Yeah, but. <laughs> I know. I love this one. So the findings were, and it's not a hard and fast rule, but about a 3% um, value annually to having an advisor manage the portfolio. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's just say that one more time. <laughs> Okay, one more time. <laughs> yes. So Vanguard thinks that there's about a 3% annual value to having a por- professional manager portfolio. 3% in addition to... Any gain or growth that exactly. you might get. Yeah. Okay. So usually what happens is, you know, there's a couple of different ways you can look at, let's say, rate of return. Right. Okay. So you can see rate of return um, on a fund, but it doesn't include your fees. Yes. Okay. So like you... You make 20%, but it costs you 1.5%. Your net gain is 18.5%. Absolutely. There are times where it's quoted as 20%, and right. there are times where it's reported as 18.5%. Right. The, and I'm just trying to draw the connection. Sure. What we're talking about by the 3% number is after fees are taken into consideration, the gain, all of that, a person who has a financial advisor tends to make 3% more per year. Than one that doesn't. Than one that doesn't. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yes. And isn't it even more crazy that Vanguard said that? Yes, because I feel like, you know, everything that you hear and, you know, the the conversations that I have with clients, what spurs this conversation mm-hmm. is a financial advisor can never outbeat the market. Yeah. Or out, you know. They're right. They're, they're absolutely right. Yeah. That, at a very basic true. level, our, there there is something called efficient market theory that says that the, the markets do what the markets do and, and li- leaving it alone is the best course of action. And I firmly agree yes. with that. Yes. I 100% agree with that. But that does not take the 
biggest factor into consideration, yes. which is behavior. I was just going to say, and I think what it comes down to is the behavior. Yeah. So, and you know, I think the initial study is I don't I don't even remember how long this article oh, was that you we first found. I mean, it's fifty pages, and it is easily, yeah. It, it you know, I think it took me three sittings to actually like digest it. And I remember feeling like I was back in one of my finance or accounting classes in college. <laughs> like I'd have to read a paragraph, and I'd be like, "What? What the did, heck that did I just, just read? Say, like I need to right? read it again." Yeah. Um, and so we also have like a shortened version, uh, sort of like a white paper yes. on that. You yeah, know? that's like four pages long, I think. And I know you can find it on Vanguard's public website. And we'll, you can. We'll, we'll actually post it in the show notes okay, too. Okay, perfect. But, um, and perfect. we'll share it on Facebook and all okay. of that. This is easily digestible. Oh this yeah, is, it was easy so to read. So easy. Yep. Um, pretty amazing. And really, what it comes down to is the behavior. Mm-hmm. So that three percent, the biggest culprit there, is whether or not the client pulled out during the downturns or stayed in. Yeah. And that's really where the value of the financial advisor came in, mm-hmm. right? In managing mm-hmm. the consistent behavior that's right. needed when it comes to investing and yep. getting a rate of return on your investments. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which is why we're saying that's what this comes down to. Yeah, totally. Right? So, and I would say, uh, you know, that's the personality. Some people are really good at it mm-hmm. and other people need a financial advisor to talk them off the ledge. And then the, the factor there is, do you have the self-awareness to know which one you're in? Right. Exactly. Right? Are you and, being honest with yourself? Right. And if you've never been through a downturn, you probably really don't know. Like you you may say, and I have clients that say to me, you know, if I say to them, well, if you have a million dollars and you lost 400000 of that, quote unquote, lost, if the value dropped yeah. over the course of two months, what would you do? And they'd say, oh, well, I'm invested for the long term. I'd stay put. <laughs> uh, if you've never been from a downturn, you don't know that that's what you would do. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell you one of my uh, things this last year, because I think this is also where it shows up, okay, is I I, I know not to pull out in mm-hmm. a downturn. Right. I, I do trust myself. I've proven that to myself. But you know what I do? This is my culprit, is I don't invest when I think it's high. Oh, so can you imagine a year ago Lord. I was saying, this is yeah. so high. Like it's going, I, it has to go down. I hear that every day. It has to go down, right? I, and I don't agree with that. It has not gone down. That's, <laughs> that is, that's what's happened over the last two years. It's gone higher. Yeah. yeah. And so, and for me, you know, uh, my role with a financial advisor is, again, encouraging that consistent consistency, behavior yep. no matter what. Yep. You know, we are in this for the long term. We're still young. So yep. we've got plenty of time to even go through another downturn, you know, uh-huh. or a few. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, proving that it is okay either way, yeah. you know, in unapologetically saying I'm going to have a financial advisor. Yes. I know that costs me more in fees. Yes. Let's have the awareness. Let's mm-hmm. not try and brush it under the rug or pretend like it's not a thing. Right. It is, but is it worth it? Yeah. Is, is it, it worth s- it to me to have that peace of mind to know that there's somebody else watching my back? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And you know, the fact that we we have got some studies to prove it, I think, is really important. Um, anything else you want to say on this topic? Wow, there's so much I could say, but I, I just will. Um, you can. I th- I, well, I, th- I think we've covered so mm-hmm. much of what I really wanted to cover, and investing is such a personal decision, and so that's one of the things that I want to, you know, just I want folks to think a little bit about before they make the decision to go one way or another. It's like make the decision that's right for you. Don't make the decision that your brother-in-law is telling you to make or your dad thinks you should make or the internet thinks is the right thing. Like have that moment of really looking at you and and figuring out what is best for you. Yes. I really do think that that's what it comes down to because there's so much conflicting advice out there. And depending, 
on what, you know, wagon you've jumped on. Yeah. It's either going to make you feel really good or really crappy. And I will say one of the things you should not be doing is picking one strategy and then a few years later jumping ship and doing another strategy. And then a couple years later, you know, you don't want to be going to a financial advisor, leaving a financial advisor, going to a financial advisor, leaving a financial advisor, going to, you know, that you don't want to do. And that Um, that whole process just slows down the progress of any sort of plan that you've put in place because you've got to start back over from square one again. Exactly. So, you know, like you... Like you said, knowing yourself, mm-hmm. feeling confident in the decision you're making because yeah. you understand that it's not the same for everybody. Yep. And if you're, I always, you know, joke that it's like your stepdad or somebody. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. Like, it's just your stepdad yep. that tells you this is the way to do it. Or for me, it was my grandpa, yeah. you know, uh, you know, this is, you have to do this and you have to do that. And um, for him, it worked. Yeah. And for a lot of people, he is absolutely correct. Yeah. And for me, I, I'm going to educate myself on really what goes into this and make yeah. the decision for me. And that's really what we want people to do. So yeah. there are some groups out there. So if you're a passive investor, if, you, if you're doing this yourself, I commend you. Yeah. You're doing it right for you. And I'm not, we're not trying to say that that's wrong. Right. If you're an active investor, you've got a financial advisor you trust, and you're leaning on them yeah. to help you. Please make them earn their fee. Yeah, right. You know, make them explain stuff to you. Make make them sit down with you if you can't understand what they're saying. M- make them re-explain it. That's the yes. biggest thing that I hear from clients that come to me after working with another advisor is, I never really understood what he was saying. I get that all the time. I never really understood it. And I'm like, then ask again. <laughs> ask a different way. Keep asking. And if you can't get to the point where you understand what they're saying, it's time to find somebody else. Yes, right. You know? And that's just a communication gap, yeah, right? Like that totally. doesn't mean they're a bad financial no, advisor. No, not at all. It's, it's just, just not how you... Everybody Everybody learns differently. Mm-hmm, exactly. So if you are an active investor, I commend you too, yeah. right? Because that is probably working for you. And at least I hope that it is. And I would say that in any other case, I hope you're making the decision because it's what's right for you mm-hmm. and you feel confident about the decision you've made. Um, so I wanted to take a few minutes if we've covered that topic. Yeah, in totally. Full. There is a question in the Facebook group. So yeah. uh, we're going to get to Facebook questions now. So if anybody else has any, please let us know. I see one question right now. We'll go ahead and touch on that, and then we'll sign off if uh, if that's the only one. But for those of you listening, if you've got questions about investments, uh, work uh, portfolios or you know an IRA or any number of things, let us know. We're here to answer them. Uh James says, Jill and James, I think, he always, <laughs> by the way, has the best questions. Oh, that's so awesome. You know, this is a great does. question. Okay, I'm yeah. so glad. Thanks, James. Um, can you roll over an old 401k to a new employee's 403b, or do you have to go with an IRA? That's a great question. And the answer is um, you might be able to. <laughs> that's another one of those. So it really depends on the 403b it's going to. Um, it, it, typically... The answer is yes, but some 403Bs do not allow <laughs> for the rollover or the, the conversion into from another uh, f- another company's retirement plan. Um, if you do, if they allow it and you take the 401k and move it to the 403B, there's no tax consequence, so you don't have to worry about that. Sure. The, the answer is the IRS permits it, but does the 403B permit it? Got it. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. And so he should probably call the 403B administrator yep. or maybe the payroll or HR company or, you got or it. department. Just, you got it. Number. Just ask them if they if they allow rollover um, um, previous plan rollovers, and if the answer is that they do, they will make it very easy for you to roll. There'll that be a form you have to fill out with an you account got number, it. all yep. of that. So, um, 
Yes, you are very welcome. Great question. Uh, it doesn't look like we've got any other questions, but again, please feel free to drop us an email or leave some comments here. Uh, send us a Facebook message if you do think of some. Uh, it can be as specific or as broad as you want, because if it's uh, something we need to cover in a future podcast, we're happy to do that. Yep. Uh, we get some of our best ideas from conversations that we have with the people in our life and the people we serve on, uh, we can see trends very quickly of like, we're getting this question a lot. Yeah. Uh, or there seems to be some confusion around this, you know? And yep. so we wanted to address this this topic because we I am seeing it more and more nowadays. Yeah, I am too. And I'm not surprised by that given the press and the media around the fiduciary standard. Um, this just comes right behind that. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, Again, my expert on today is one of my trusted friends and uh, referral partners, Shanna Tinjum with Heritage Financial Strategies. Uh, she is located in Gilbert, Arizona, but you're licensed in uh, 12 well, states. 12 I think states. Now, yeah. Uh, do you list those on your website? Are I do. Able to, okay. Yes, so they're, they're at the bottom of website. my website. Uh, what is your website yeah, address? It's heritagefinancialaz.com. Got lots of videos, cool quizzes, and um, all around some fun stuff there. So um, I actually also have a case study, four of them, built around this this uh, study itself. So, oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, good. Good, so good, it's good. fun. Go That's read awesome. those. Yeah, I, I, you know I will. <laughs> uh, and then what is your phone number? Yeah, phone number is 480-397-1184. Give us a call, and uh, we would love to chat. And uh, um, I've really enjoyed being on today. Thank, thanks for having me. You are welcome. We hope everybody liked episode 22. And I really hope that I got the technology right, or else all of this is lost. <laughs> so we will catch everybody at a later time. Thank Bye, everybody. You. Thanks for listening to The Saver and The Spender. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, www.fiscalfitnessaz.com, to your family, friends, and colleagues. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at IamFiscallyFit, and on Facebook at FiscalFitnessPHX. Join us next time for another edition of The Saver and The Spender.